If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. We say things that don't mean anything, but thanks for listening. Hello, everybody, and welcome to We Say Things, episode 179. We've done a lot of these episodes. Yes, mostly we've at done home. 178. Well, we're doing 179. Who knows how many more we have in us, right, Cinderin? Yeah, I mean, I have had none left in me for <laughs> three years, so. Well, you're going you strong. Yeah, good. Yeah. That's what he keeps telling me. One more time <laughs> for the boys. Uh, thank One you to our it. amazing patrons. I shall do the first half. Okay. Thank you to T Coil, Burrito McBurrito Face, TIN Auckland. Q Ludes is not an NFT scam. Stupid underscore copilot. Did you know Khar in Persian means both donkey and huge? I I knew it knew I knew it was donkey. I did not know it also meant huge. So you can say like your penis is khar. Is that correct? What or what you could say your donkey is huge. Yeah, but what if you you're saying a donkey's huge penis? What would you say then? A khar dul khar? Dual is like uh, its penis, but in the most childish way. I don't. It's like saying pee pee. Like I don't know why I say that. My pee pee is a huge donkey. I have a huge pee pee donkey. Okay. okay. Uh, where was yeah. it? <laughs> Thank you to D two Bowie. Yataro does it again. Cinderin Burger King ad for this podcast. When? Uh, I mean, if they pay us, but to be honest, it's one of the worst fast foods uh, in existence ever since they got rid of the Angus Burger. Oscar Magdev Seeker wants to see drastic map changes in this coming patch. Maybe a crater. Lol. My grandma still doesn't know what Dota is. Disco Farm D. Taste me, boo. Stoogy McStooge. Daddy Stood. Notice me, Senpai Stooge. Santa's Ballsack Stooge. Schadenfreude Stooge. The Megapope. Auckland is in New Zealand. This is a good suggestion. TI in New Zealand. And Zan Xavier. Nate Thicko, zero one Hamscroats, Bacon, Shark TM, Janie, Dop, Nothing to See Here, Underscore Man, Guitar Strings, Yves Rimor. Ben, his Patreon names are too long and they're annoying to read out on the podcast Broomhead. Wooden Aftertaste, Anonymous, and the human heart beats approximately 100,000 times per day, pumping about 2,000 gallons of blood, Mr. Niebling. Did he, did he go for gallons so you could relate, or what? I appreciate that's, that. That's a lot gallons. of gallons. Gallons are big. See, yeah, we, when we go like, to the store, it, we want stuff that... We don't want to go back to the store for quite a while. You guys seem to be fine to go every other day. Like, a liter? Come on. How long is that going to last to you? Just get a good old-fashioned gallon. Eight. What is it? 3.8 liters. That's right. Gallon, roughly. So, when... I remember being at BTS to cover some Dota, and they had, like, milk gallons in the fridge. Yep. 
how do you buy that for a family? Like, it's a lot of milk. It's gonna go bad. You drink it all. But I guess you you treat your milk right in some sort of it's like um Well, how long does your milk stay good? About a week. Yeah, it definitely lasts longer than that. I think you've what what's that called? Preservative. What's that called? The, the, no, but the thing you do to the milk, you like ultra heat it or something for chocolate a short time. Syrup. That's right, that's what it's called. You chocolate syrup your milk. No, so uh well, I can't remember what this Pasteurize. is. Um, I don't think that's the word either. Is is that actually just what you do? Because I, I remember when I lived in Germany, there you could buy two types of milk. You could buy the fresh milk, which would last about a week, and then you could buy something called Hamilch, which meant that it had been, like, heated for a short period. Maybe it is just pasteurized. Maybe that is literally what they did. But that would make it last for, like, three weeks instead of one. So that's uh, probably all the milk you buy in gallons is probably pasteurized. Yeah, but it's... I, I don't know if it... I mean, maybe. I, like, the ones that I get... Since I'm semi-lactose intolerant, it's just like almond milk, and that lasts like a year, so uh, never have to worry about that shit, thankfully. And you pay seven times as much for it, which is also pretty cool. That's right. It's good. It's good for you. You need to spend that money somewhere. Okay, uh, the podcast is a day later. You uh, seem to have a different backdrop for some reason. Yes, uh, I have um, I've done my, I've redone my room. Um, Looks nice. Where's Onion? It's a little bit Say of work. Say Onion. I, uh... Hi, Onion. <laughs> I, uh, no. So I am in, uh, I'm in, uh, Romania covering DPC. Uh, I'm going to be here until the 25th. So I believe the next episode will also be here, but then I think I'll be back home so you guys can enjoy having no background once again. Um, I was going to say the background is definitely an improvement and this looks nice. Yeah. I wish, I wish the room I had at home had more depth. I am very, uh, constrained by, the size of the room I have at home. You so, know, if you wanted to work the green screen, until we move. the green screen could be used for something, you know? Yeah, I mean, I could I could green screen something into the room, but that wouldn't help on the podcast, right? Because you wouldn't want to do that. You could take a picture of this backdrop, and we green screen that, and then we'll just pretend so you live in Romania. Like oh. No, I mean, we could take a... How about your background? So it looks like I'm in the same room as you are. Oh, okay. Sure. <laughs> that sounds good. Uh, That's okay. it. Uh, yeah, covering EU and China for now, and maybe only that while I'm here. Uh, so far, so very nice. Uh, we'll talk about DPC uh, in a bit, but first, mm -hmm. a very important announcement: the battle pass has ended. Everybody, the battle uh, pass has ended. I forgot to use my candy last night, and then I logged oh. in, and it was gone. I could have rolled Shannon. Who knows? This is 180 mystery candy that is never coming back. It could have become something great. You'll never know. Valve has pocketed the candy. I hope they give it back. <laughs> the digital candy. Very delicious. My favorite yeah. kind. I should have just bought a lot of cheap items for candy to hope to get like free rerolls in that individual slot. I could have also played more Dota to get more rerolls. You know. Did you get any Arcanas this battle pass? I got one. Um, I got one I already had. Oh. And unfortunately, um, the one I already had and got was PA, and that one has a tracking gem that mm. you cannot transfer. I believe. So. Okay. But now I have two PA Arcanas. Good job. 
if I ever want to for no reason switch, then I and can And then do that you also got the free arcana via the whatever yes. that thing was, right? Which you picked what I, again? I forgot. Probably picked Shadow Fiend. Did I have Shadow Fiend? I don't know actually. Wow, really? That's an old one. I don't remember which one I picked. Well, I figured we'd use this time since the battle pass is now over. We talked about it a lot during the beginning stages. Now that it's over, what did you think of it? Um, How would you rate it? Probably the s- second or third best one we've had, I guess. Um, I think... So, I think one of the really hard things to nail with the Battle Pass is making a good custom mode, right? Um, I don't think Dire Tide was... Uh, I wasn't a particularly big fan of it. Um, and I don't like how much they forced... I mean, forced is the wrong word, but how much emphasis they put on it in the weekly challenges. That Every week had a... Uh, every week had Dire Tide quests, which almost felt like they... There's two ways of looking at it. Either you do it that way because you're like, okay, our mode isn't that good, but this will make people play it. Or the other one is we have this great mode that people will love playing, so the fact that they get rewards for it every week will feel really nice. But from what I've gathered, for the most part, the replayability of Dire Tide was not... How long was this battle pass? Like 16 weeks or something? Um, was not that long. And for many people, it ended up feeling like a chore to do those challenges if you wanted to use them for leveling up. Um, so I, I still... We've talked about this before, right? The best custom modes they ever made were Silt Breaker. wasn't so much your cup of tea, but you could see why it was good for other people. Um, Aghanim's Labyrinth. Um, what was it called? Wraith Knight? Was that what it was called? The tower defense one? We fight Invoker in the end? Wraith Knight was one of... I don't remember which one was which. There was also, also the moon something. Oh, the, the, were the two separate ones? Yeah, there was two. Defending? I think okay. there was two where I think Wraith Knight defend- was my favorite of the two. And... Thank you, chat. What was it called? Was it called Under No, not Under Hollow, was it? They came out. You remember when they came out with Overthrow? Yeah. They had another mode that was also good, but it didn't last as long. Didn't seem to have, catch on quite as much, but I thought it was still pretty good. Just like their own game mode. Uh, but yeah, Dire Tide has just been done. It feels like the concept is mm. not salvageable, in my opinion. But it's all obviously really hard to make like these PVEs. That are really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, for all I know, they're like mate, they've started the la- the next Aghanim's Labyrinth like last year, and it just takes that long. I have no idea, but maybe Siltbreaker is getting its own game, and it's called Neon Prime. I don't know the reception for Siltbreaker. You said, I think we both so again. You said it's not wasn't my cup of tea. I can appreciate what it was. I don't think it was particularly popular though. Uh, I th- that was the vibe I got was that a lot of people were playing it, but I think its its primary weakness was how hard it was to do with random just a random stack that you queued into. Mm. I think for people that had people they play with in Dota on the regular, I think a lot of those really enjoyed the challenge if they were into the genre whatsoever, like any RPG fans. But if you 
mainly solo queue in Dota or don't really play it with any friends and you would just run into randoms, it, I think the game could be kind of frustrating because it was very dependent on coordination and on people paying attention and knowing what they were doing. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, I think that made it a little bit polarizing. Um, but, the, but for what it was, the game was really good, in my opinion, in Dota. One of the best custom games I've made. But yeah, what else is there to say about this battle pass? The Arcanas, um, I think the Faceless Void is definitely good. My favorites are still Quop and Windranger. They were in the same battle pass as well, right? Those two? Or were they in two different ones? It's all blending together. There was a Wraith King one as well, I think right? they were the same. Yeah, Wraith King, and there was uh, one more on top of that, I believe. Those were the best Arcana rewards we've had. Quop is still the single best cosmetic in the game. Um, then, what other content was there? It still felt like... So, I really wish that Valve can do a better job at removing this, like, feeling of empty levels. Because, um, like, whenever you get... What is it, like... I the fact that I don't even remember what the throwables were is kind of telling, right? Like, I played this game a pretty good amount. I wouldn't say I played a shitload of Dota in the last few months, but I've played it on the regular. I've played most days of the week. And I don't remember what the items were you could use. What was it? So there was... Was it the inflatable pig? And then bubbles? I don't Gauntlet? Remember. And what's the last one? Dude, oh, was it the Congo line with the disco ball or whatever? Mm, yeah. It feels like those things people use for the first two days, I've barely seen them used for the last three months. I mean, I, I wouldn't like, criticize it, that it necessarily. Just, it's They need filler. I've had experience trying right. to fill up a battle pass. You need filler stuff. I, I get it. I get it. I mean, it's it just it loses its novelty pretty fast. I think that's where something like Rylai's Wheel was actually really nice, because even though like you knew it was a low chance and it wasn't really... Most of the stuff you got wasn't really relevant or whatever, it was just like... It felt like something that you were always at least somewhat excited to get, whereas a lot of the empty levels now are just like, okay, you know, like, whatever. At least that's my perspective on it. So mm. I would still like, I would like something in between that. And when, like, remember when we had the shovel where you could dig up levels or something in the game? Like, whenever you used that, it was like, okay, maybe I get something fun or maybe get nothing, whatever, you know? Right. But it's like, there was some sort of, and it doesn't. It doesn't all have to be appealing to chance. Like it doesn't all have to be gamble or you know luck. Um, could be nice to get more double down tokens as well. For example, I don't know why they're being stingy with those. If there's some sort of algorithm thing where if you give people too many, it's misrepresentative or people are abusing it too much or whatever. Yeah, um, I, I think from my perspective, but, the the battle pass was. Uh, I mean, obviously, the, la- the so previous two were far better, but you had to take into account COVID. Uh, and I know that in all likelihood, there's less people working on Dota these days. So right. in terms of what they could do, it was obviously good. The thing that I'm still disappointed with is the fact that they... That it was split into two battle passes. First half went yeah, to TI. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Second sure. half did not. And with, that's fine. But the second half should have gone to the next DPC. Instead, they pocketed it. And to make people forget about it, which worked, by the way, they gave a free Arcana and they did Candy Works. I have actually, as a game designer myself now, I have learned a lot about how easy it is to make people forget stuff just by giving them free shit. Stuff that's literally not technically worth anything, right? It's just literally cosmetic. Uh, so that, in 
on some levels disappointing, I guess. Because uh, they're just going to do that again. So that's just going to be the norm going forward. And now nobody's really going to complain. Because there's already a precedent that's been set. So that's disappointing. But uh, in terms of like the battle pass, I like I said, I spent money to get the uh, Void Arcana. Did that before TI. And didn't spend anything after that. Um, yeah. But overall, considering how much uh, they were able... Because again, like with COVID and stuff, I know a lot of them are working from home still. Like I think it's like a hybrid situation now. Uh, it pretty damn good. It's just the the two battle pass system yeah. precedent being set that's going to be continued now. Yeah, so as we've talked about countless times, we're, we don't mind TI's prize pool being smaller than whatever 40 million it was before, which I think in, in the Dota ecosystem vacuum, it's unhealthy that it was that big. Uh, but effectively now, this year it was just about half as big and nothing else grew. So then it's like, then doesn't really, then I don't think it helps very much. The the idea is that TI should be smaller and others so that the rest of the DPC can be bigger. But yeah, they didn't transition the the half of the battle pass to that. I th- I would imagine the sales like for the battle pass are obviously clearly biggest leading up to TI, but they probably still made some millions after TI that could have made a big difference to the size of the DPC. Um. So yeah, that's uh, that's a shame. Um, do you remember the prize pools of the DPCs, actually? Of the DPCs? It, like, yeah, so just the Division 1s. Like, if you don't go to the Major... I remember there was this pricing... There was this oh. tiering with, like, $20,000 and then plus 1k per placement or something, roughly. Yeah. Is that the same in all regions? Or is that the Western regions? I think I remember it being the same in all regions, which... right. Which is really not the same. That's the, that was the point yeah. I was going to make here, is that the expenses of living in the countries is really different. So if the DPC wages are good enough to get by in South America or SEA, that doesn't mean they're enough to get by in Western Europe. And um, it really varies what sponsorships and what contracts teams are able to land for, like... How would you calculate that, though? Like, if you were Valve, let's just say you were distributing and you wanted to base it off of cost of living... People are going to complain about that, obviously. Yeah, for sure. I, I don't mind the fact that they made parity between all the countries, but that's why I'm saying like the current price, uh, the current prize pool in DPC is not sustainable for most Western European countries. You kind of have to make majors or have good sponsorships. But if they, let's say they raised three additional million that they could have put into the DPC, and a lot of that went to the seasons, then we could break that threshold for Western Europe and NA where, okay, even being in Div 1 is sustainable now, right? Yeah. If, the, if the prize pool of the DPC was just doubled in every region, it's actually not that... How much money is that? It's like 25k average per placement in every region, and there's 8 teams, so that would be 200k per region. So 1.2 million. Then you've doubled the prize pool. I could have definitely done that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean... It's it's the usual thing of the only thing that I can think because I've been trying to think of it more from Val's perspective, and I'm really just like making stuff up now. But mm-hmm. maybe they had to do it this way to justify continuing to working on Dota. Like, is there a world where enough people have left the team to work on other stuff, and the money coming into Dota isn't as much as it has been? 
that to justify continuing to work on it, they needed even just saying that out loud doesn't sound right. I, yeah, I can't I see that as being possible because they made, I mean, 20 million, right? So that's 60 million they made before TI. And they mm -hmm. probably made at least 50% of that after TI, probably more. Except they're keeping all of it this time. So I, I don't really know. The fact that you can't even, that you can't even think. You're the Mr. Uh, all perspectives here. Yeah. Does not uh, paint a great picture. I mean, I don't, I don't have the biggest understanding of value and how, how much things are worth in, uh, in the game making industry. I'm just thinking, like, based on what the output is of this battle pass, the hourly profit of this work that the people put in is really good, right? It's really good. And if your perspective is, well, they could just work on Steam. Well, they're already doing that. There's like a cap to how many people you can put on that project. So effectively, this should just be very profitable. And then the only, the only thing I can see where you could get more profit per hour of the developer's time is if you make a smash hit that sells a shitload. But their track record of that recently hasn't been that great. Um, so just think... Without knowing the ins and outs of it, I feel like it's for me. It looks like a no-brainer to keep making these battle passes because of the hourly profit on it, on effort, right? Let's be honest. A lot of the stuff they put in is it's already used from the past. It's like the effort and the time it takes to make a lot of this battle pass is pretty much it's pretty close to copy and paste, right? Hmm. Like a lot of the effects you get for leveling up, a lot of the like the consumable system that you put in the game. So the new things they made this time that they made from scratch, which were celebrated, was the Candy Works, which I think a system like that takes some time to develop, but obviously a lot of the back-end stuff they probably already have from, like, chests or whatever. They could probably recycle some code without knowing too much, once again. Um, Arcana's... They need the artists to design them. They obviously take quite a lot of time. I think that's a lot of work. Um, Dire Tide was, you know, largely reused, I'd say. Uh, a lot of the graphics and stuff, the Grievals, Roshan, all that. Mm. So, yeah, I, I feel like it's just well worth it for them. Yep. Okay, that's enough about the Battle Pass. Uh, I'm sure we'll be yes. talking about the new one in three months when the next one comes out, or whatever the hell that is. Uh, but in the meantime... The majors have been announced, and I, I'm not going to lie. I know I'm the negative Nancy over here. This was the weirdest announcement I think I've ever seen for a major. Valve made a post saying, new DPC season and major tournaments. And they just casually mention the three major spots in one paragraph and then go on to talk about fantasy points and the new bronze, silver, gold tiers for the supporter club, like, shouldn't, isn't this, like, a big announcement? That's weird, right? Was I the only one weirded out by that? Maybe they think the majority of the community cares more about this, the stuff in the game than where physically the majors are. But couldn't I mean, I you know. make this two announcements, then? You could, for sure. I, I don't know. Uh, I don't, I don't want to read too much into it, either. Uh, I'm not I mean, reading the information is there. I'm not so. trying to read into it. I'm just saying I I thought this was like I was trying to find the announcement like a week like to put this in the right. podcast and it's like what, <laughs> what was the Usually actual announcement? Usually each major gets its own post, right? Anyway, 
So the Lima Major confirmed. This was the worst kept secret major probably in history. We heard about it before TI, and obviously we couldn't say anything. Uh, but it will be in Lima, and it'll be hosted by 4D Esports, which we can talk about that in a bit. Uh, the Spring Tour in Berlin will be hosted by ESL, so they're not getting a DPC, but they do get one major. And then the Summer Tour will be the Bali Major, hosted by IO Esports. And that location sounds very interesting to me, because it feels like, first thing I think of with Bali is like, that's where you go on to go to vacation, you know? Yeah. That's kind of cool. So, it's a pretty common, like, honeymoon location. But obviously, like, as usual is the case with Dota events, you know, we're probably not going to be on the nice tropical beach. True. So, well, you, I mean, you, need to, you need to seek that yourself, and you need to have the time to go and enjoy that. But yeah, Bali does look incredible in pictures, uh, for sure. So let, let's start with uh, Lima. We've kind of talked about in the past, there's some issues, obviously, in Peru. I have been told by a couple yeah. people, and I'm not saying this is factual, I'm just saying what I've heard from a couple people that are I consider to be in the know, that Lima is not affected by this stuff, but there is stuff going on. So there's yeah. still a concern. But again, based on what I've been hearing, it doesn't sound like it's going to affect the major. They've already announced tickets and the pricing and whatnot. Uh, they, the, the dates have been announced, but they're not on this. So I'd have to Google it. <laughs> Let me just look at uh, the but old... Like we told you guys last time what the dates were. Just go find that. We're not going to write it again. The Liquipedia here. Um, Let's see. Upcoming Lima Major, February 22nd to March 5th. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so what I've gathered about the situation in Peru, and again, this is probably an overly simplified version. First of all, uh, Fogged has a lot of ties to the country with family and stuff, so he's way more in the know than I am, and I talked to him a little bit. He says that the, uh, the primary issues with the riots and, like, the danger is not really in Lima, it's more to the south, uh, and it's far outside of Lima. Um, what I've been reading is that protests are happening also in Lima, but they are not, there has been no violence, at least for a long time with them, involved with them. Like people are still maybe participating in that. But yeah, the, what I'm gathering is if this was in the dangerous areas, it's kind of like when we had the, um, when we had the Kiev major, that was fine in Kiev at the time. Obviously it's not fine in Kiev now, but the Kiev major was fine, but at that time, the east of Ukraine was not safe, right? Mm. Um, it's I think it's kind of a comparable situation where there's unrest and there's violence in uh, in other parts of the country, but the part that we're going to should be should be okay. But I mean, it's still something to pay attention to. It's not like I'm like, okay, we're fine now. Don't worry about it. Let's just go, right? Like, who knows? This is in a month. Things can change, as always, but... It sounds like the majority of the whole violence is is for for the most part calming down in general, but there are some areas that are bad. I believe the one right now that has the most is Cusco, if I'm not mistaken. Does that sound right? In South Peru? Uh, is that how you spell it? I don't mean Costco, Shannon. That's something else. Um, I was going to say, I could use a trip to Costco. Yes, Costco. It's a city in southeastern Peru. I think that's where it's worst right now. Uh, yeah. Okay, good to know. So, and we're pretty far away from 
So, but obviously, it would be nice if it all died down before. Yeah. And just died down in general. Like, uh, yep. And of course, uh, just the fact that it's in South America, we've already talked about it, so we won't really rehash, but a huge deal. I think it's going to be really cool. Looking forward to watching that one. The Spring Tour, Berlin Major, ESL. Not the sexiest location. Oh, it's great. Good it's for close you. To home. Very close. Uh, <laughs> no NA tournaments this year, it looks like, but you've been to ESLs in Berlin, I'm sure, right? They've had. Oh, wait. Do you want to speculate a, a bit here, Shannon? About location? So, yeah. So, Eastern Europe is obviously off, off the list right now for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got a major in Europe. We've got a major in SA, and we've got a major in SCA. Yeah. Does that mean TI is going to be an NA to round out? The I hope whole so. Globe. I sure hope so. Because I've heard different speculations. I've heard something about Copenhagen was being checked out, and I was like, "Holy shit! If it's there, that will be the best ever." But that's that's maybe wishful thinking. The main thing I've heard, for the most part, is that people are speculating we go back to Seattle because the arena that we used to have it in Key Arena has been completed in this reconstruction, right? Mm. Um, so they could bring it home. And I think from Valve's perspective, from their own, just as a company, I think it, by having it in Seattle, they probably have more manpower because there are more people that would be willing to help out and work on it. And they'll probably feel more comfortable and they'll be more confident in setting things up and running things. And I guess overall, in terms of, I would say, quality of just the event, like everything surrounding the event, Seattle was the best, right? Because that's where they had like this massive outdoor area with the green fields and uh, the the best secret shop set up uh, because a lot of the stuff is just like when you're at home you can do yeah. things that you aren't able to take with you overseas so I just think there's certain advantages to this um, one of the downsides is visas but I think visas in America correct me if I'm wrong is probably easier now than it was a few years ago yeah uh, to obtain for foreign countries so that helps the the political change there so I think there's a lot of pros to to bringing it back overall. Um, yeah. I but if they don't, my favorite would be Europe. I think Europe getting a TI again wow. would be deserved. Biased. Biased. I mean, much? come on. Like, we, are, we only had TI one, and it wasn't really like that was, that was the first TI, and it wasn't really the real TI vibe that we we're expecting and used to by now. Mm. And we were meant to have it last year, and then COVID. I mean, we did have it in Romania, but it was without a crowd, right? So, yes, you did have a TI, but it wasn't, you know. It wasn't the real. Oh, TI that one doesn't TI. count either, huh? TI one, TI ten, they don't count. I mean, you know, I would personally love to see it in Seattle. And the real question is, where would they put the panel and uh, host? Would they be in Antarctica? In that case, they got to be as far away as possible uh, to make that setup work. That's another thing. If they, they have it keep in them Seattle, in Norway, actually, just keep them in Norway. That's fine. If, okay. if they have TI in the, in the US, they would definitely have everything in one place as well, because then they have a lot easier time with the logistics. So that's another that? big upside that, yeah. I, I, you know what? I'm pretty <laughs> damn confident if TI is in Seattle, all the talent will be going to Seattle. Oh I, my God. I don't know. Is. Actually, I'm not convinced. I'll be honest. No. I mean, we'll see. But yeah, I hope, hope to see it in Seattle again. That would be great. If not, you know, LA. It's a one-hour flight for me. That'd be terrific. Uh, anywhere in NA, really. That'd be just great. Make Cinder fly across the ocean for once in his life. And we already talked about the Bali Major. 
Well, we didn't talk about Berlin. You've been to a couple tournaments in Berlin, I believe, right? ESL's done a bunch of tournaments there overall over the years. Wait, so where have we been in Germany? So we had Frankfurt Major, and then there's been ESL Hamburg, mm. and there's been... Uh, was there one event in Leipzig, I think? Have we been to Berlin? Maybe I'm thinking of CS. I don't know if Dota has ever been in Berlin. Maybe it has, and I'm forgetting it, but I, I don't think so, actually. Okay. Well, that's, that's good to know. Right? I mean, it's, it's a nice city. I mean, it's, it's obviously, it's a, it's the capital, right? It's very, it's very capital-like for what that's worth. Yep, that means, uh, that certainly means something. Yeah, I, I mean, okay, so you know what I mean when I say the capital of a country is often least like the country in its entirety, right? Because it's like the most international, it's the most touristy, it's the, it's mm. the least authentic experience of the country in general. Yeah. I think with Berlin, it's kind of the same for Germany, where if you want to, I'm not going to be like a snob, like if you want to see real Germany, you need to go Do to... Do they have shawarmas, you know I mean. which for some reason they just changed the name to donors? Absolutely. Yes, they have that everywhere in Germany. If That's I ask very for, big there. If I ask for a shawarma, will they know? Or do I have to call it a fucking donor? It's a stupid ass name. It's a shawarma. Stop trying to change the name of Duna. a fucking amazing dish. Duna, Shannon. Duna. Duna. Duna? Yeah, okay. If you say it like that, they're probably just going to think you're drunk. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just want shawarmas. God, they're so no. good. Yeah, I, want a, they, they I want a turkey major, man. Istanbul or something. Mm. That's uh, That would be legit. That's the best lounge I've ever been in. What I want a turkey-themed major, so everything is about poultry. I could eat it. Sure. Yeah. And then Bali, obviously, Indonesia, SCA, like you said. Uh, I don't know much about Bali, like I said, other than the vacation thing. So I'm really interested to hear more details. But that, to me, is very exciting. Uh, every single one of these majors is a... Actually, no. Lima, I actually looked. It's only like 10 hours for me. It's true, they're all pretty far for you. The other two are very far, obviously. So, we'll see. I was surprised that it was actually even that far for you. I thought it was going to be faster but to the, go... To Lima? To, to Lima, yeah. Oh, it, it's two flights, so that's including, yeah. like, layover and all that shit. To yeah. Total time is 10 hours, which for me, minimum I've had is, like, 16. Anywhere we go, so... So, just to clarify... Just to clarify this in case that wasn't clear, uh, we are not confirmed for this event. We've just looked at travel ourselves. I'm so looking at travel, first, yes. Yeah. Whenever whenever there's a major announced and you're interested in how far... I mean, it's just nice to know if you get invited, right? Like, you have, like, a rough idea of where you're going and for how long. My geography is not the strongest, so... I really thought this would be less than 10 hours for you, even with two flights. But how is it when you look at a world map... It's not linear, right? <laughs> yes, that is true. It looks, it looks like even, it wouldn't be that far, but it is further than you'd think. I don't know. Apparently. Even on a flat map, I'm yeah. going from the north to the south of an entire continent. Yeah. Right? Going, so going from the northernmost point in Europe to the southernmost point in Europe probably takes like four Europe, hours by flight. Europe, but is, Europe is quite is small. Lot. I guess, yeah, it's just that much smaller. I mean, ge I geographically speaking, I the U.S. is bigger than Europe, right? 
Okay, I say northernmost to southernmost. That's absolutely incorrect. That cannot be four. I mean, how, how <laughs> there's no big, way. It's way more. How I take big it back. Is, no way. How big is Alaska <laughs> to Europe? Just the state, Alaska. It's probably like half of Europe. I don't know. That's one of the things with maps that are really misleading. I think that's not that's true. true. Like, I think Greenland looks way bigger. No, but Alaska is yeah, actually it's huge. Way smaller than it looks. Alaska is actually smaller. big, though. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, but not half of Europe. No way, right? Dude, I don't know this. We're just gonna look stupid. Why are we making ourselves look stupid? Hey, like, what's what's our, what, what is the point? Our patrons can correct We're us with their great driving trivia. up interaction in the comments. <laughs> Let us know how bad our geography yes. is from one to ten. By all means, by all means. I want. Okay, I wonder how long it takes to fly from northern Europe to southern Europe, like all the way in northern Finland. The one that gets me is a flight to Australia. I cannot believe yeah. how far that is for me. It is so fucking. Far I'm like away. on the west coast. So it's like, okay, there's you're not actually flying over really any land. It's just all ocean. But holy fucking shit. It's like 20 hours or something. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Australia is far away from everyone, yeah. including themselves. They, I don't understand. Like, how, how can no one be close to that country? But apparently. <laughs> maybe it's not real then. That's true. It could be fake. I've heard rumors that Australia isn't real. Yeah, it could be fake. So. Uh, all right. So let's talk about the DPC, which you've been covering. Uh EU and China, I suppose, is what you've been doing. You've just been doing paneling, I suppose, right? Yep. I've been on the panel since the 9th. Yeah, so since this Monday. Yep, I've been rooting um, you on. Good job, Cinderin. Thank you, Shannon. I'm so happy you watch my content. When I watch you, uh, I clap like this. Just okay. to give you my support. I just want you to know. Test your audio levels. <laughs> <laughs> just testing. All right. Testing. Yeah. Talk to me about um, it. So, okay, so the biggest story is, I guess, if you want to start with the drama, which I am assuming most people are the biggest fans of, people love that shit, uh, there's a pretty major accusation going on in Chinese DPC right now. I don't know if you heard about this one. Yep. Um, so one of the team's knights is, why can't I find this DPC? God damn it, man. God damn it! God damn it, man. All right, I just need to Google properly. That's very hard for me. I'm not very smart. Okay, so uh, one of the team's knights has been accused, I believe, um, I don't know in which official capacity they got accused, but I remember hearing something about Xiao 8 accusing them, and there's also a, like a, a bigger investigation, uh, a video that uh, I forgot their name posted, a 20-minute video um, outlining what the concerns are. So overall, the concern is that in the series against PSGLGD, but I believe also in the prior series in this tournament, uh, Knights' deward ratio is insane. I think in, this, in one of the games against PSGLGD, I think they dewarded 14 out of 17 wards. Um, to give you some perspective, a TI about 40% of wards got dewarded. Uh, and this would be like in 80 one, in one game. Overall, in all of TI, I think it was about 40% that got dewarded. So. But what was like a it's high like series? That's what I'd be It's not like it's impossible, right? It's not like it's impossible. But the way in which it happens, there was uh, the guy who made this 20-minute video uh, outlined actually by showing, by using a cheat that shows when you're within enemy vision, kind of like if you had Slark ulti. Mm. Uh, if you have Slark ulti, you can tell if there's words because you slow down. But supposedly with this cheat, you get like some sort of a, a glow around you when you're in enemy vision, which allows you to gauge where enemy wards would be hmm. and so when he had this cheat on and he looked at certain clips from this game it was like okay these guys are just they would be in in areas that would commonly be warded and they wouldn't put a single sentry there and they would just smoke confidently 
And then when they would enter certain other areas, they would be very certain about where to place their D wards. So mm. there is a possibility that this is chance. It's still speculation. There's no punishment. There's no confirmation. But with the way that clip was presented and the way people are talking about it, it's major sus. Let's put it there for now. Very um, interesting. I, I heard about it. They but have I not been I cleared. I didn't hear the specifics, but yeah, Knights, um, uh, that's the team with uh, Alacrity, I guess, is the, yes. the biggest name on there. Uh, and obviously... And they beat PSGLG. That's their one series loss so far, is to yeah. them. They 2-0'd LGD, and they 2-0'd IG, uh, and they lost to Aster. So the main thing here is there's two things at play. First of all, did they cheat? That's the first thing. And secondly, if yes, who knows about it? Because mm. if this team is not boot camping or are not in the know about it, it is possible that one player in the in the team could be cheating and not telling the other ones and just making themselves look really good and getting their team better results. Uh, but it's obviously, if this is true, it's really important that you don't nuke the entire team if it's one guy. Mm. But then, that's the tricky thing about this stuff. How do you prove that? How do you prove that the other players don't know it? How do they prove their innocence, you know? So you mentioned Alacrity, uh, which a lot of SEA teams are a lot of SEA teams are obviously uh, cheering on. A, a big player from the Malaysia region, for example, he's also joined by a fellow Malaysian in the team in, in Felix Xiaoba. Um, who knows? Like, wow, it, it's just a really shitty situation. Um, I wonder if what, it's true. I'm really curious, and we will never find this out. What like type of power Valve has? Can they literally check like what's in your files? Like, is that? Do you think that's technically possible? Is that illegal? I, I don't know, and I don't know. So let's say this thing is real, right? Let's say it's happening. I don't know what Valve can truly find in replays, like what they have access to in the backline of their system when they run through a game mm -hmm. like this, if they can find this stuff. But, um, yeah, it's that's. Let's just say, as usual, we hope there's nothing going on. And that it was just a good game or a good series where somebody massively overperformed. They just had an outstanding game. Um, and that there's nothing more than that. But obviously, the precedent this sets is is really bad if this is something that could be happening in the DPC. So we hope Yeah, and the one thing clean. that Valve is very consistent with, aside from lack of communication, is perma-banning people. Yeah, they have a uh, zero-tolerance policy for suit like Except this. for Solo, of course. He was the first. Yeah. He's the one that got, got away. Yeah, the literal only one. Um, okay, so aside from that, just to talk a little bit about power rankings, because these are, we we talked uh, was that last week or was it two weeks ago that we did our like pre ratings for the regions of how we thought things were going to pan out? Yeah, China um, had like one game played when we were talking about it or something. Okay, like that. yeah, so we're we're close to being halfway through the season uh, in the regions. We're like probably like 30 to 40% through, so still early days. But in China, the strongest-looking teams right now, clearly, I would say, are Aster uh, and PSG LGD. And then this night series for PSG LGD did not go well. Again, depending on whether it was cheating or not, if they were beat fair and square, that's what it is. Knights still played really well, uh, but obviously, you know, the speculation were you, there. Were you covering that game? No, I was not casting that. Was um, but it was panel. covered by people you're working with, right? Did you hear yeah. anything about it looking suspicious live? I and doubt, I don't like, like you're not going to be able to notice stuff like that probably live. It's really hard, especially when you're casting. Like, picking stuff like that up is a lot easier if you don't have the casting going on at the same time. So mm. uh, I just, I remember it got posted in a group 
And then we were like, holy shit, this is bad, if, if, if real. Uh, mm. But that's where we're at right now. So I don't think they picked up on it. The casting itself wasn't like, man, these guys are really good at dewarning, huh? I don't know, man. So uh, that was my lyrical impression. Okay, so <laughs> very nice. Um, I would say, apart from those two teams, Extreme Gaming probably still a, a top four contender. And then I'd say overall for me, eHome probably looks promising. Um, at the same time, you have a team like Aster Ares who are currently currently zero and three. But they lost to the three giants. They lost to Aster, LGD, and Extreme Gaming, and they still don't, they still look like they could actually win out in the rest and technically make it. Uh, we had an interview with XXS from Aster after they beat Aster Ares, and he picked Ares to get the fourth slot, mm. uh, even though they're zero and three. So they legitimately need to go four and three or a three four tiebreaker. Those are the only ways. So they need to win most of their games. All right, with each um, region that we talk about, I'm gonna. Put the graphic up on the current yeah. standing. So that's China. The, uh, okay, the other just an FYI, Cinderin, because people are going to mm-hmm. say that you look okay. weird. When I take a picture, mm-hmm. it's going to freeze your screen, okay? So make okay. sure you make a good face. Mm, I do that all I'll, the time. I'll let you know when I'm doing it, okay? It's going to be a fun I love game. Camera fr- I love camera freeze frames. It's great. Okay, okay so what so, region? Western so EU. Europe? Yep. Yeah. So these are the two regions I'm covering, so that's where I know most of what's going on. Uh, so Cinder, EU has make, played less sorry, games. I'm sorry to interrupt. Can you make a face, please? Thank you. All right, let me see that. I want to see it perfect. myself. That's good. Oh, very nice. <laughs> um, Appreciate that. And there we go. So, so in Western Europe, we're not as far with Western Europe as we are with China. So I think the rest of the DPCs are maybe about a quarter done. China's just further. Uh, but they will have their break over Chinese New Year um, and finish it around the same time as the other regions, I think. So... Um, here, Tundra look really good still. They haven't lost Does their mojo after you, TI. Does that surprise you, considering the patch? <laughs> I mean, you could have met... I mean, what has happened to a lot of teams in the past is that you kind of, you know, rest on your laurels that's after fair. TI. Yeah, um, you've won TI, you take a well-deserved break, which every team did, but I think something good for Tundra probably is how long the break was, because in the past, the DPC has started shorter after TI, uh, but they've actually had the time to really, like, take it in, get some rest, reset, and start over. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're still hungry and motivated to win more. So it's good to see. Uh, I feel like it's always a shame when a TI champion just kind of falls off because you've done it. Um, I think they, they want to they wanna keep rolling and get more championships. And they're, they're playing really well. So Tundra's the team to beat in Europe right now, um, probably. They are better than I expected. I think I put them third in my... Uh, in my just prediction, I guess is the right word. Then we have um, the biggest negative surprise so far is Team Secret. They're zero and four in games. They got rolled by Liquid, like absolutely curb stomped. That series was not remotely close. Uh, and they still they also got two out by OG, where most games also felt very OG favored. So Secret in the bottom right now. Um, the team, aside from Tundra, that looked the most impressive, but they've only played one series, was Liquid. The way they rolled Secret was very impressive. Um, and yeah, we're, we're still very early days here, so I don't, I don't think it's fair to compare like with China, where you feel like you have more info. Mm. But Tundra, Tundra look like they are probably making top four. I think if Liquid keep the form they had in that first series, they could win the whole thing. They could even beat Tundra, I think. 
Um, but aside from that, it's honestly really exciting. And I do want to give an honorable mention to Nigma. So they only played one series, which was against Tundra. Nigma looked really good, actually. Surprisingly good in that series, which should be, inspire some hope in a lot of fans that, you know, have been waiting for Nigma's return. And you obviously also hope they do well. Uh, and I hope they do well. I would love to see these guys back on the big stage. I think it's always an enjoyable team to watch. Yeah, for sure. Um, they did lose to Tundra, but they took it to three games, and they definitely could have won two to one. They were very far ahead in game three in the beginning, but then they dropped the ball a bit. So that was promising. Their laning looked really good. Uh, Sumail owned nine <laughs> in a couple of the lanes uh, in mid. So Sumail's definitely in shape. Um, so it's what you want to see. And Amar played uh, Carry Mars. So yep. you know, he, so uh, that answers that question. <laughs> he, he continued with the same heroes. He One of the games he played mid-Huskar against Nine and crushed him. Hmm. And then he played Carry Mars, and I forgot what he played in the other game. So Nine but, lost all three game lanes? I think so, yeah. I think he got out laned all three times. <laughs> wow. But Tundra okay. still won two games uh, on you know strategy and better execution. So what so, do you want to do? Do you want to talk about the rest of the regions, even though we didn't watch them, or... Um, like, I mean, we, these we are the ones I'm this. closest to. We don't so. want to do this every week, though. That feels like... No. What did we do before? I, my memory is so bad. I think we probably did it halfway through and then in the end or something. Yeah. So, I mean, it's fine. We, we don't have to do every region. Like you said, I haven't... I, you, you don't watch all regions at once. So these are the ones that I'm focused on because it's what I work. Um, I think we can maybe do an update on how every region is doing next week or the week after. Because then we'll have a lot of more results, right? Yep, I guess yeah, the week after funny. it's technically almost over even. So Yeah, it's I mean it's yeah. only three weeks now, so yep. okay. Yep. Uh so maybe okay. next week we'll look at it. Uh and it's gonna be a short podcast episode. The last thing we are talking about is Billy Arena, as usual, Cinderin. You know, I like to talk about uh, my yes. game and all. Who we dare had, you? We had the Cardsmith contest finally. Uh yep finish and jenkins and i had a long ass stream where we read every single god concept that the community made a lot were many, hilarious how many were big enemy titties to be honest percentage zero really well when you like nudity like actual nudity zero but no the anime style nudity. like that like maybe two not wow, a lot two percent wow two two oh. total there were about I 500 see. submissions i went through all of them once to just filter the good and all that. And we ended up going through about a hundred and filtering it out to a top three. So I'm going to go over the three winners of the tournament. All right. Uh, number three was made by that's, <laughs> that's the DPC uh, logo there. My bad. <laughs> wow, it was made nice. by October. It is primal beast, which actually I can't zoom in for myself. So uh, I can read it out for you. Yeah, read it out for me. Alright, once per round, Primal Beast can charge through the shop, damaging spells in his ruinous wake. Spells have a chance to be re-rolled, have their cost reduced, or knocked off the shop completely, leaving an empty slot. Each spell in the current shop has a separate chance to be affected by one of these outcomes. Spells that are knocked off the shop aren't replaced until the next round. So you have a 30% chance for a re-roll, 15% chance for a 2 gold cost, 10% chance for a 1 gold cost, 30% chance for an empty slot and 15% chance that nothing happens. Um, so it's a shop god, <clears throat> and I thought this was a really cool concept because it's obviously RNG. It's going to be like a fun-based thing. It's not... 
I don't know if it's going to be a try-hard god or not necessarily, but we'll, you know, you never know until you actually play it. But you activate it, and I'm thinking, like, well, I, theoretically, I would love to have Primal Beast come across the screen, but that's probably not feasible. But going to have, like, the shop shake or something like that and make a sound, like the onslaught sound. And, yeah, there's just a chance that something happens to the shop. Like, it could actually harm you. Like, some of the slots could be deleted or whatever. Uh, pretty cool concept from October. Uh, so looking forward to seeing that one. That is the third place winner. Yep. Uh, second place is by Pio Romero and is Dr. Kleiner. Oh, yeah. This one sounded very interesting. So he has two components. One is called research and uh, one is called breakthrough. And they're I should, both passive. I should mention that for a couple, for the second place and first place, we may have changed something on the fly. Okay. That was our idea that we're just going to do. But I'll let you know when we get there. Okay, but this is this is the winning version, and it might not be the implemented version. But this yeah. is the idea that won. So first passive research: whenever you purchase a spell, the spell pool is immediately replenished. At the beginning of the round, the spell pool is reruled as usual. You cannot purchase rerolls normally, so you have to buy spells to get other spells available in the pool every round. Which means you pay a little bit more than a reroll, right? Yep. Wait, how much is it you buy a spell for and sell it well, for? Well, it's actually the same, technically. If you buy it's three, yeah. you sell for two, so it's one gold still. Yeah, so actually, it's, just, it's, it's more labor-intensive. So let, let, okay, really let me just interject. Because we couldn't tell by his wording, but the way that we're going to implement it, which is the important thing, anytime you buy a spell, it re-rolls your shop. Yeah. So that's technically not what it says. I don't think that's what he meant, but that's what we're going to do. Oh, well, the spell pool is replenished? Uh, that's how I understood it, too. But what, what do you think he meant, then? I, I think it meant that the slot that you chose to buy the spell is replenished. But I could be wrong. I didn't actually ask them. Either oh, way, I see. It says pool, so I thought it was the whole shop. Yeah, either sure, way. But... Either way. Okay, so that's the first passive. The second one's called Breakthrough. Uh, for every seven, this is depending on shop level. For every seven, six, six, five, four, depending on shop level, spells you sell... You gain one zero-cost reroll, and all your heroes gain two, two, three, four, five int permanently. This is really... Uh, this seems... This, this god seems really powerful. So, like, you buy spells for three, you can sell them for two, which means later in the game, when you have a lot of gold, and you keep buying to replenish your pool, and you sell all the garbage you don't want, your heroes just gain int. Hmm. So if you go for, like, some sort of spellcaster build, or have a way of using intellect, or intelligence on your heroes, even damage dealers, right? Like Nature's Prophet or Lena, Techies, all these backliners that are int-based will just get damage. Mm -hmm. So, pretty interesting. Um, yeah. yeah. That's I second place. I think this one, it, I find it interesting more so, I mean, obviously the int stuff is unique because we don't have anything like that, but uh, the fact that you are, your shop is re-rolling every time you buy a spell. So you have to like know, like, if there's more than, like, Later in the game, when the shop is big enough, you're going to have multiple things show up in the shop, and you can only buy one of them because it re-rolls. I think that might uh, create some interesting decision-making. But this is one that I don't know what to expect once we make it. Because we've had concepts that sound cool, that sound interesting, that we just end up scrapping. That won't be the case for this, because we'll just remake it into something else if it's not fun. Uh, but yeah, that is the second place. And then first goes to... Uber Testicle. Uh, I just want to say that his name was not a reason that we chose him as first place. 
Although it is that perfect. is actually his name, though. That is actually his name. Uh, okay. He made a concept for Dark Rubik, which we are going to change to be Ice Frog. By the way. Okay. Uh, sure. Uh... So I'll explain how it works. The okay. you get because we're going to change some of it. Like I said, so beginning of the game. Since this is Ice Frog, there's going to be dev mode. Okay, it's a passive. Beginning of the game, five random banned spells show up. You choose one of them. That spell gets added to your pool of spells throughout the game. So if everybody has 175 spells in the pool, you will have 176. And there's only 10 of them, so getting a game is actually relatively difficult. And it also has an active, which uh, you select any unit, and that unit, whenever you buy that spell, the spell will be attributed to them as a fifth spell. So you can have five spells on a hero, which technically the only way you can do that now, other than like, you know, getting the random upgrades, is Rubik. But you already know, right. like it's Rubik, you have spell steal, it's very random what you're going to steal. Mm -hmm. This one, you know ahead of time, and you can build something to be, because five spells on a hero creates so many more combinations that are absurd, but you only have 10 of those copies in the, in, in the pool for you. So this one we were blown away by, and I think this one's going to be extremely fun. It reminds me so much of a Pokemon card. Just because... No, but there was this, seri there was this series, right, where you, you, do you don't know this, but there's this, like, there's this there's Pokemon versions, and then there's the dark version of them. And it's like, it seems like they've drawn inspiration from that, where the dark version of the Pokemon cards is generally like, they have the identity that they do, but then it's like a twist on that, right? Hmm. Um, so this is technically a twist on Rubik because you're quote unquote stealing a spell, right? Yeah. That you're stealing it from the band pool effectively. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a, I think it's a cool idea to name him dark Rubik. I think that's really nice. And that's why you're naming it ice frog. So <laughs> that's unfortunate. Uh, well, I thought this was a really cool name and a cool idea, but so, you didn't appreciate that because you don't understand Pokemon. So that's fine. There uh, is, there is a reason. So I actually would was fine naming it Evil Rubik. I think that's funny and cool. But Jenkins made a good point. Anytime we've kind of got, taken a concept and just added like some arbitrary thing to it, people don't care as much. They care if it's like a singular character because this takes away from the right. other Rubik then, which it's, it's interesting that people actually feel that way, but that is the case. I have one more to show you. All right. Cinder, and this was not, so that's the first place where I'm going to have to take a picture here. I want you to read this one. And yeah. this was, actually, I'm trying to remember. It, uh, but this was like some meme suggestion. It is, but yeah. people really took to it. Okay. And this was created by Wooden Aftertaste. Oh, that's a familiar name. It is. Our boy. But you couldn't let him win because he's a patron. And then it would seem rigged. Well, I had trouble. <laughs> Just read it out loud. <laughs> read it out loud. <laughs> I just see the picture of it. And it's already, I'm already cracking up. All right, so you guys need to picture this. So if you guys are audio listeners, basically the image of this, the card is called Nuclear Family, and it is literally two parents and there are two kids. And then there's like three icons for, for the characters you get. All right, so the first one is Father. Select one unit to be the father of the family. The father works all day to provide for the family and as such has more experience. The father gets extra levels based on shop level, and if he gets a kill, he brings home extra gold. The extra gold can only proc once per round. 
He also cares about his children and gets a damage buff for each child fallen before him. <laughs> it's very sadistic. So he gets bonus levels, extra golden kill, and he gets extra damage per child death. Very stereotypical. The father works all day to bring home money, huh? Okay. The mother... Select one unit to be the mother of the family. Since we live in the 50s, the mother stays home so she can cook, clean, and take care of the children. If a child is below 50% HP, the mother will feed them, healing and applying a basic dispel. The ability's cooldown and heal are based on shop level. It can only be cast on, one on each child once per round. If a child dies before the mother, she gains a small amount of attack speed. <laughs> So this is based on shop level, the healing and the cooldown. Uh, it has the same cast range and attack speed every level. Children. Any units not labeled as mother or father are the children. Since they are not experienced and hyperactive, they all lose levels based on shop level, but also inversely gain attack speed and flat movement speed. What do you think, Sundaran? How, how do you come up with this shit? It's like, I need to design a card. I need to design a god. <laughs> for ability arena i'm gonna come up with nuclear family so when i saw I, this i think this i think this is fucking hilarious i almost but... skipped by it because it's just too much text i knew it was a meme but after reading i'm like i mean we wouldn't implement it be obviously we would change the you know the lore it wouldn't be called nuclear family but the idea is it is interesting on some level yeah like you're sacrificing your children to buff uh, the father and mother, but the father and mother are kind of working against each other because the mother's trying to heal the children, but she still gets buffed if they die. But the father just wants them to die, apparently, and will get buffed himself regardless. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, this was what an aftertaste, I have to say. This was the best meme of the... This would be number very, one in the meme category for the cards. It's so, very creative. I like, I like the lore. Like, obviously, because... He knows that this is like a. He, he, I like that he had to specify that it was the fifties. Yes, very so important. So that it wasn't. Yeah, you know, gotta. Yeah, it's gotta, gotta be keep PC. it clean. Yeah. Okay, That's so funny. that All was right. the Cardsmith uh, contest. It was a lot of fun. Not sure if we're doing that one again, but maybe in the future. We got a lot of ideas that we'll be stealing from you guys, of course. Uh, there's a counter terrorist god, for example, that is definitely going to be made. It's fucking I mean, you cool. could uh you could do a a contest with one winner, then you don't have to implement as many heroes or gods. With one oh, I think for these we didn't promise them that they would get in anyway. In the rules, it's like oh, this was for ideas only. Oh, got well, it. Got it. We're we're giving the top three money and in-game prizes, which I haven't done yet, but I will. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I think all three will be in the game. Okay, is my guess, and then even more on top of that. So great so ideas from the community. Concern, Shannon. You fall too much in love with all of these ideas, and then all of a sudden we have a hundred gods. Because well, you can't help yourself. You add all three, and you're like, oh, this idea is cool. Oh, nuclear family looks great. It's, <laughs> you know, all of a sudden. Is there a problem with a hundred gods, Cinderin? In a year? If we have a hundred gods, do you think that's an issue? Yes. Why? I think it's overwhelming. You just talked about last episode how people are saying you're updating the game too fast. I think auto battlers need or should have a certain level of complexity but if you boot up that game for the first time ever and there's a hundred gods well, not, it might be a little overwhelming well if you boot it for the first time you're not gonna have a hundred gods you gotta pay some money man come on yeah okay that's true then it's fine i mean this is not like we're trying to set up for a 20-year lifespan you know we know this is not gonna live I, I forever it. we'll see it. we'll see how it goes I don't know. 
And we could always rotate. Yep. Somebody in the chat's suggesting. That's true. Okay. Yeah, that's true. So that'll do it for this episode. Uh, good luck on the DPC the rest of the way, Mr. Cinderman. Thank you, sir, man. Until next time, Suns Fan and Cinder signing out. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. We say things that don't Subscribe. <coughs> Subscribe. Now.